Welcome to the Wealthy Homes Podcast, where we help young Michigan families manage their finances and create wealth. I'm your host, Connor Bowserman, financial advisor with Preferred Financial Group. Welcome, welcome, welcome back to another episode of the Wealthy Homes Podcast. In this episode, I'm going to be talking about giving. And I know that's kind of like a different topic, especially because, again, this podcast is more tailored towards building wealth and managing finances. But giving is a really good component of that. And so I really wanted to share a couple of stories and, and tips and tricks on just that. So let's dive into it. So for those of you who may know me personally, know that my son was born with half a heart and a part of the process to, I'll kind of say fix, but that's not really the best word for it, but basically make his heart function as good as possible. And in order to do that, they needed to do three sets of surgeries to basically complete the overall process and He had just completed his third open heart surgery on May 1st. So as you've probably noticed, the past couple of episodes have only been me. And the real reason for that is because I've been kind of in the hospital or we've been preparing for being in the hospital or we had just gotten out and we've been kind of in a quarantine stage. And this one was a little bit harder, this go around, just because there were extra complications over and above the normal heart surgery. Basically what happened was some air got into the bypass machine and that eventually did go up to his brain. And by the grace of God, he has not shown any issues because of that. He did have some minor seizures during that process. But if you would see him running around the yard, he would not know that anything like that had just happened just a couple of weeks ago. And I also want to say thank you to all the family and friends and everybody who reached out and helped us during, you know, this really tough time and uh, all the prayers and and thoughts and just all the support that we received through the whole process and in some of the worst moments. We were just so thankful for for all those people and we remember you. We know who you are. From Nicole and I, I just wanted to mention that because as we are going over this topic and go over Isaiah's story, I can't help but think of all those great people. So I just want to say thanks. I share his story just because while I was there at Mott Children's Hospital, which is at the University of Michigan, there's this really big wall kind of as you walk in and it's all the generous donors that gave money to create that hospital. And There's a lot of names that aren't on that wall that I know continue to give that helps create and give them the medical equipment and the facilities to do the work that they were able to do to save my son's life. And this time around, especially looking at that wall, especially the many times I walked by it, it really hit me and it kind of changed my focus, especially when it comes to this podcast, that it's not about just building wealth. It's what you can do with that wealth. And giving comes from the heart. And because of those great people that chose to give that money out of their wealth, you know, we were able to benefit that. And Isaiah is able to run around the yard and just be a normal kid because people made that decision. Now, most of the people that were on that board were at the minimum gave $250,000. And then it went up to 
over 25 million plus for some of the top donors. But I wanted to talk a little bit more about the psychological side behind it because I think it is super important because not everybody has that kind of wealth or maybe has that wealth right now. And so I wanted to kind of dive into kind of the psychological part and then some barriers that most people are kind of worried about when it comes to giving and then maybe some strategic ways that you can give when it comes to the wealth that you maybe have now or that you will have in the future. So I think most people know that giving in some sort of way makes you makes you happy, whether that's short term or long term. Maybe you forget about it. Like if you do some kind of a tie through your church, maybe that's just something that you just are so used to. But there was a, a, a study that was done. It was a pro-social spending and well-being cross-control evidence for psychological universal, which was a study conducted by Dunn Anken and Norton in 2008. And basically what it was, was a study that they examined the relationship between spending money on others, so like pro-social spending and subjective well-being across various cultures. So they conducted surveys and experiments in Canada, Uganda, India, and the United States to gather data from individuals with different socioeconomic backgrounds. I think what was really cool is that the findings of the study revealed that individuals who spent money on others reported higher levels of happiness and well-being compared to those who spent money on themselves. And this effect was consistent across all cultures examined, suggesting that the relationship between giving and happiness is psychologically universal. And I thought what was also really cool was the study also found that the amount of money spent on others was not as significant as the act of giving itself. Even small acts of generosity or random acts of kindness were associated with increased happiness levels. I think that study is cool because just further evidence that giving makes you happier. And, you know, an analogy that I sometimes give is you're carrying all this weight and sometimes to carry more weight, you have to take some weight off from time to time. And kind of for somebody who's lifted weights, you know, you don't just go on and just bench press, you know, 300 pounds. You don't just get on the bench and don't warm up. You start putting on weight and then you maybe take weight off, put weight back on, and you kind of work up to that 300 pounds. And I think giving can be kind of thought in the same way, that sometimes you have to be able to give from what you've got to be able to receive more and hold more and, and, and build more wealth. But I think before people even get to that point, they never really got started. And maybe there's some barriers that cause them to kind of get that way. Maybe something like they were giving to the wrong institution. Um, I know, I'm sure they've cleaned up their accents, but I know that like back in the day, there was some bad press for like locks of love that they were charging for the hair that people were donating or that the wounded warrior was was just paying out a bunch of employees just to stay a nonprofit and they weren't giving out as much money to the people that they were saying that they were giving the money to. Whatever that reason is, maybe that's something that's been a reason for somebody not to give or stop giving to that place and then ultimately stop giving altogether. I think a big one, especially for people who usually classify themselves as Christians, is that battle between ambition versus discontentment. I think sometimes they can get mixed up 
And I know sometimes I even fall into that as I'm looking at, oh man, that person's got the brand new car or man, that, that guy's got the 60 inch more with the fabricated deck, man. I wish I was, I had that instead of, you know, my riding lawnmower. I think we can find ourselves in that, but making sure that we're controlling that and being ambitious and, and trying to grow. And, you know, one example I can give for that would be like you tithe a 10th of, of your income. Well, if you want to give more to your church next year, maybe you got to earn more. And that doesn't mean you're discontent with where you're at right now. You're just ambitious to earn more to potentially give more. That's why it's good to know where your heart's at. Because if you're being ambitious for the right reasons and to give and help more people, then ultimately you're going to be happier. But if you're discontent and going to continue to be ambitious for the wrong reasons, know that at some point in time you're going to be unhappy with where you're at and being unhappy with yourself. And just a great example of that is just the other night I was watching the Steve Jobs movie over and you could see how ambitious and how creative he was, but he was maybe doing it for the wrong reasons. And as he got older, especially before he died, it was very evident that he wishes that he wouldn't have pushed away the people and the important things over his life because at the end of the day, those things just ended up not being important to him. But I think one of the biggest barriers and hurdles that most people run into is that fear of running out of money. And as an advisor, I see this all the time. And it really bothers me when people have a super huge surplus of cash and the baby boomer generation is notorious for this, is that they've got so much cash sitting on the sideline, not earning anything, sitting in the bank earning, you know, a tenth of a percent, but they don't want to take the risk to invest it. <laughs> I'm going down a whole different rabbit hole. You got me going. But I think that fear of running out of money keeps you from living a happier, more fulfilling life. And just like that study that I just previously talked about, it's scientifically proven to make you more happy. And then another big barrier is just, again, I, I run into this from time to time too, the emergency fund for the emergency fund. You know, there's a reason why we have an emergency fund. Emergencies do happen. But if you have the right amount, then you can take that excess money and, and do something with it. Whether that's to give, to invest, to give, we'll go down that road in a little bit. But just making sure that you're being proactive to do something and to not just live in fear. So I'll give an example. Our church was doing a pretty big event. And basically what we were trying to do was pay off the mortgage of the church so that way we could use any of the excess funds to do more ministry. And we had kind of known about it for a while, so it was something that we could save up for for a little bit. But when the time came around, we gave a, a substantial amount of money. And... At the time, it was really scary. I mean, we gave a good chunk, and like I was just saying, you know, sometimes you think of the the savings for the emergency fund and kind of taking that security away a little bit. At the time, I'll kind of pull the, the curtain back. It wasn't a great year for, for myself or Nicole. And as being kind of entrepreneurs, and it just wasn't the best year for us. And... 
And so on, the, on top of that, to give a substantial amount of money, it put us in a really weird place. And I was pretty scared to do it. But now hindsight 2020, like I was giving that example of sometimes you have to take off some weight to be able to put some more back on. This beginning of 2023 has been a complete 180 from what 2022 was. And I think a lot of that, and I attribute a lot of that to the giving. Uh, it put us in a different mindset. It gave us a better headspace. It allowed us to feel good about that. And we were really proud that we were able to give such a good amount of money. But we're happy now that we've done it. But at the time, it was it was a really scary time for us. But I wanted to share that story just to encourage you to step out on a limb and and do something maybe you haven't done before, whether that's to give money or give your time, to step out on a limit and, and try to do something maybe that you haven't done or your family hasn't ever done. And I think hindsight 2020, you'll be really happy that you did it too. So I wouldn't be sitting on my soapbox talk, talking about all this if I didn't have some pieces of advice for you, other than to get out and give. But there's some tr strategic ways to do that. So I'll kind of just run through a little bit of a list of things that you can do. And it, again, this kind of depends on where you're at in life and how much wealth you've already got accumulated and maybe what kind of wealth you have accumulated. But I'll kind of just go through the list. Probably the most common is just like a one-time gift of, of like cash. So that would be kind of like what we did. We gave a good amount of money in one time. We do do tithing also, but but it was something that we did that just that one time and for most people who are falling under the standard deduction you're probably getting a very very minor tax break you're probably not getting hardly anything but if you do standardize and you qualify for that then any money that you are able to give is a tax break for you there another thing to do would be like your reoccurring giving so again this would be like your tithing for us, it's automatic. We have it just drafted out of our account, just like any of the bills or anything like that. And the reason why I mention that is because you're likely to give more. And I hate to give you the analogy or the, the depiction of this, but everybody's seen like the, I think it's the ACPCA video and it's of the dogs that look like they're crying and you know, you've got like the, the music going and, and we just for $5 a month, you can save one of these pets, you know, that kind of video. But if you're thinking about it, like, Hey, $15 a month doesn't sound too bad, but if you gave one time, maybe $180, maybe you're starting to think about that, that gift. So if you do some kind of reoccurring giving, you're likely giving more just because it, it's felt a little bit differently. Another big one would be like impact investing. And what that means is basically you're just investing money to be able to give more later on in life, whether that's a couple years or decades, it really just depends. And sometimes I run into this with some of my clients as we're doing a financial plan. And sometimes I'll just run through what is just called our average return scenario. And usually it depicts some kind of end balance at the end of their life. And if they're doing a really good plan and they're on track, usually that number's in the millions. And usually that conversation is, okay, how do you want to spend down your money? Do you want there to be a lot left to be able to give that to your kids or some charities? Or do you want to live on more during your retirement years and basically have nothing left? 
but that was just an example. Impact investing is a, is a good way to give in the future. Another great tip would be what's called a QCD, which is a qualified charitable distribution. So for anybody who is older than 73 now, as is the age, you have to take out a mandatory amount of your qualified assets. And that number changes every single year. But as you get older, you have to take that money out. Whether you're going to use it or not, you have to take some money out because the government's saying, hey, we've given you this tax break and you've held on to this money for a really long time. Now we want some of that tax dollars back. Well, if you give that money directly from your account to some kind of a charity or 501c nonprofit, then any money that's from that distribution, it, it, it checks off the mark that you've given the money. So you've taken the money out of your account, but you never paid taxes on it. So this is a huge benefit for people who do have qualified assets. And another great benefit to that is if you are lowering your income that's taxable to you, then you're usually getting more of your social security check because that's not being taxed at such a high rate as well. Another great way would be gifting stocks. So if you have purchased individual stocks and it's appreciated in value, what you can do is give that stock away and you don't pay any of the capital gains on that. And then the 501c is able to take that asset, sell it, and they do not incur capital gains for that donation. So you're able to give a bigger dollar amount, not pay taxes on it. You obviously want to talk to your financial advisor or your accountant before doing something like that just to make sure that you're doing that right and it's all being accounted for in your taxes. Another one that's become more prevalent is because of the 2017 Tax Cuts and Job Act. And it's basically because when they redid the reform of tax brackets, they raised the standard deduction. And so a lot of people that were giving aren't really giving that deduction anymore because they were just getting a regular standard deduction. So one kind of caveat and one little loophole that they created, what was called donor advised funds or DAF is the acronym for that. And basically what you're able to do is take cash and put them inside this investment. You get the tax write off today and then that money can grow tax deferred. And basically there's, it's just growing inside this account and then upon your passing or when you decide you want to give it away, then you can give that money to uh, a nonprofit or charity. So this is something that we've had some clients do. Uh, like for an example, we had a client that had a very, very nice house up in Charlevoix and they sold it and made a ton of money in capital gains. And so they had a pretty big tax bill. And to mitigate some of that, instead of paying a large tax bill to the government, they decided, hey, let's give a good amount of money to this charitable donor advised fund. And they were able to get a tax break there. They're able to invest that money now. And then once upon their passing or when they decide to give that money, there will be substantially more or ideally there will be substantially more than what's in there currently. So that's a great avenue. And if that's something that you're interested in, obviously reach out to us or maybe even your CPA. You can also, to do some of that stuff too, you can create your own foundation or charity to donate to as long as it's underneath that 501c and qualifies. And one of the last ones, and I would say also just as important, 
is that you don't always have to just give money or assets or wealth. You can also give your time. For example, the Habitat for Humanity, or you're maybe ringing a bell during Christmas time, or my men's group at our church just did a little event where they built a ramp for one of the people in our church to, to for their wheelchair. Those are some little things that you can do to give back and that, again, make you feel more fulfilled and happy that really didn't cost you anything. So if you don't feel like you have enough assets or wealth right now, you can still get out there and volunteer and do some great things in your community that, again, will make you feel more fulfilled and happy. And if I could give you just one last piece of advice before we go, it's to get your family involved. Don't just make this a, a solo endeavor. Just one small example I'll give for that was when we did give for our church, and, and it was that one-time gift, we actually gave the gift to our son to be able to go up to the altar and give that money when we did decide to uh, to give. And I think that was important for him to see that, see us give, not only us give, but then him feel like he was partaking in that as well. But if your kids are older, maybe doing that Habitat for Humanity. Uh, some of my most fond memories in college was actually some community service events that we did. And we actually traveled down to Louisiana and one of the Carolinas and did some hurricane and flood work, which was really, really cool. It was able cool for us because it was in a way like a free vacation. We were able to go down, but then also work really hard and do some awesome work. But those are some awesome memories that I had in college and I want my kids to have. But I encourage you still to do some things in your community. Do a soup kitchen. I know my wife, I think once a month, she makes sandwiches for the homeless. You can go, again, be a Salvation Army ringer in the winter with your family. You guys can all do that kind of stuff. So again, if I could, just give you one last piece of advice is to get your family involved and to give in front of your kids to make sure that they understand that it's important to give, it's important to save before you spend your money. So that's all I got for today. Hope you enjoyed this. And if you can, please do me a solid and leave a great review on Apple Podcasts so more great people like yourself can listen to this podcast and get some great knowledge like you did today. All right, we'll see you in the next episode. Thank you for listening to the Wealthy Homes Podcast. Be sure to click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Connor Bowsman or Preferred Financial Group. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investment advice. Always seek the advice of Connor Bowsman or other qualified financial advisors with any questions you may have regarding this episode. Connor Bowserman is a licensed financial advisor and any of the investment advisory services offered are through Harbor Investments, member SPIC. Products and services provided are not NCUA insured, have no credit union guarantee, and may lose value. Consumers Professional Credit Union and Marshall Community Credit Union and Harbor Investments are separate and independent companies, and credit unions are not providing security services. An additional disclosure for this episode, donor advised funds may have minimums, additional administrative costs, and may give you less control on how the funds are allocated.